KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast for Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer, and we're also joined in studio today with a new member of the KYW News Radio family. That would be Raquel Williams, our new community impact reporter. Welcome, Raquel. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we're going to be talking a whole lot of trash. and We're going to be hearing an interview you did with a Philadelphia icon, the man best known as your favorite trash man. What's the story here? <laughs> Who is this guy? Why did you want to talk to him? And why are we dealing with all this trash? Today? Well, when I first got wind of your fave trash man, uh, Terrell Hagler. I was met with lots of enthusiasm around the building as our co-workers were like, oh, you have to talk with him. He's an awesome guy. He's great. Everybody knows him on the internet and, and on his uh, Instagram handle, your fave trash man. So I said, okay, let me find out who this guy is. So I gave him a call and he was all too willing to talk with us about his latest venture, which is the fact that he is launching his own trash hauling company, which is pretty cool in and of itself because he uh, is a former city sanitation worker and he has turned into a sanitation activist. I've never come across a sanitation activist before, so I was excited to talk with him about his venture. And he really cares about the community. That's really the bottom line. He is a father, and uh, he was mentioning about the fact that kids should be able to play safely and walk safely in a neighborhood without worrying about all the debris and all some of the dangerous dumping that's around some of the blighted neighborhoods and some of the underserved neighborhoods. And so we were talking a little bit about that, and he really just wants to make a change and and clean things up. Really didn't uh, know about the correlation between cleaner communities. You know, after cleaning up communities, a lot of areas saw that their crime rate went down. And so that's another reason why he wants to help clean up all the communities in Philadelphia. And he actually has a goal of Philadelphia being litter-free by 2025. That is a lofty Hello. goal. I'm all for it. <laughs> and right. if anyone can achieve it, this guy can. Um, I, I knew of him from previous reporting and from the internet. I thought it was really funny that at the end of the interview, he's like, oh, I was so excited that KYW called to interview me. And I was like, I was so excited that you were willing to talk to, talk to, to us. us. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm low-key, like, minor fangirling, which mm-hmm. is... So it seems weird to be fangirling over like a sanitation worker, but he's just so entertaining and so cool. And his mission is fabulous. It is. It is. Love his spirit and his drive. Now, before we even go further into that, we also should know a little bit more about you. What were you doing Ooh. before you decided to come join us here at KYW News Radio? Well, I was at Beasley Media Group. Is it okay that I say the other? It is quite uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I was a news director over there, six uh, station cluster for New Jersey. I'm born and raised in New Jersey. I'm very much a Jersey girl. I don't like to pump my own gas, but I know <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to do that at some point. So that's what I was doing before I came here and I wore a lot of hats over there. And uh, one of the things that I did do when I was there was a, a program called Community Outreach, where I interviewed a lot of the unsung heroes of the community. And that's really what I wanted to focus on. I've always been a fan of KYW, and I was just very excited when there was an opening that I said, I might be able to fit in here. Let's see how this goes. And I'm very excited. Everyone here, absolute pros. I'm just honored to be amongst you all. So you talked about kind of focusing on the community and Mm -hmm. your title here is Community Impact Reporter. Are you kind of carrying that mission into what's like 
in your own words, your job description. Yeah, I'm carrying it over to this. And, you know, I kind of want to marry some of the stories that I'll be covering day to day, you know, into maybe a longer uh, format. And so that's what I'm really excited about. I want to get to know the people in the community, know more of these stories. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom in some of the areas that I'll be covering, but I, I know there are bright spots. There are bright spots and there's hope. And I want to kind of bring that out as well. So I'm excited. I'm excited about the venture. What are stories that interest you? Oh, boy, so many stories. When I first got on board, I said, let's do a five-part series on institutional racism. <laughs> okay, that's a lofty goal, right? As soon as you walk in the door, I'm going to kind of put that to the side uh, and uh, deal with uh, some things uh, that are, are pressing in a lot of the communities, like you know, housing issues. The thing that the, your fave trash man, what he's doing, cleaning up the communities, things that affect the children, the kids, education, the gun violence issue, you know, that's not going to go away. It's not going anywhere. It is very depressing because so many kids are being affected by it. So those, of course, are some of the stories that they're going to be front and center, of course, uh, pretty soon. So, Raquel, obviously, we appreciate you coming in and joining us today. How can people check out what you're working on and get in contact with you with if they've got a story idea or something they want to run past you. Oh, yes, absolutely. Send me those story ideas, please. Um, you can, of course, email me at Raquel, R-A-C-Q-U-E-L dot Williams at KYWnewsradio.com. And we're glad that you've joined us, Raquel. And we will have that interview with your fave trash man coming up in a bit here. But first, let's get to today's rundown of our headlines. We lead off our headlines today with Amtrak is actually getting aid from the Biden administration's infrastructure bill, and some of it will be coming to improve routes in Philadelphia. And we all know the president, the former Delaware senator, and his connection to Amtrak, particularly here in the city of Philadelphia. Yes, so I'm sure President Biden would be excited to hear that we are making some improvements in this area. In general, Amtrak as a whole is getting $66 billion dollars. That's the biggest boost that they've gotten in 50 years. So they should be able to make some really big improvements. I'm really excited looking at this map, this Amtrak Connects U.S. map, to see some of the new service lines coming in. i got to imagine if flights to Las Vegas are any indication, how about the new forthcoming L.A. to Las Vegas direct train line? Can't even mm-hmm. imagine what a train ride from Vegas to L.A. or I'm vice versa I'm would be I'm picturing a train full of Raider fans, <laughs> basically, is what that's going to turn into. You know, but in all seriousness, if that cuts down on the amount of people driving from one potential party place to another, (laughs) great, all for that. Another one, because this place is near and dear to my heart from a previous stop in my life, Philadelphia to Reading, direct, love that. I think that'll go through a quarter that's a big part of the Philly suburbs, you know, get along Route 422, 23 out there, and Reading is a very nice place. You can go see a Reading Phillies game, have some fun out there. Love Reading, so that's a local new line that's part of this proposed package. As a country, I feel like our public transportation system is just not where it should be. I mean, you can get around within cities like Philadelphia, New York, but getting to other cities, it's just not there. You don't have that option, and this will definitely help. Also, just along the Northeast Corridor, which is you know where we live, they're going to fix some bridges, some tunnels. They say that the improvements could lower the time it takes to get from New York to Washington, D.C. by 30 minutes, which 30 minutes is a good chunk of time. Oh, absolutely. And it's something that's long overdue in this country if we're just keeping it real. This would be great to see this sort of improvement. And maybe one of these days we might actually talk about light rail. 
<laughs> hitting us across the country. I mean, Let, let's not move too let, fast. Easy. I know. Pump the proverbial brakes there, <laughs> trying to hit, get light rail across this country. We go from the idea of moving forward to one gentleman who's going to be apparently moving backwards. This story yesterday really jumped off the page at me. A Philadelphia man in 1999 killed a man outside of the Palestra, which is the famous home at the University of Pennsylvania for their basketball team, does more than 20 years in jail on that murder conviction, gets out, and now, for his next trick, cons the pandemic relief programs of nearly $140,000 one week after getting paroled. This is bananas, just from having seen this story. This is wild to think about. It's really wild. You have to think, why would you do that? Why would you risk that when you just got out of 20 years in prison? At the same time, maybe it was, I have to, maybe even the benefit of the doubt, say maybe it was an issue of he didn't have money or any way of making money. And the best thing he could think of was claiming unemployment assistance, even though he definitely blatantly lied about it, saying he lost his job due to COVID-19. He put down his last day of work as a day when he was in prison. (laughs) But he got it. He somehow got the money. That's the most amazing thing about this. I'm blown away by this, that he apparently he claimed to have run a tobacco company while he was in prison and was able to get, I think it was like $14,000 in just pandemic relief funds and nearly $140,000 overall. And the craziest thing about all this is he did 21 years for this murder. If he's convicted of this, he could end up doing 40 years in prison for this. This is really just a sad story. I went back and I tried to look into this case a little bit more and what apparently this man's mother was quoted as saying, he has two children that I'm going to have to take responsibility for. I don't have 18 more years in me. I'm asking, I'm begging you to be lenient with my son so he can support me and the children. So here this guy gets out and... It's so rare that anybody commits murder and sees the light of day again. Right. He does a 20-year stretch and you would think 20 years in prison would probably, especially knowing you're getting a second chance effectively, that a lot of people in that position don't get. And the first thing you do is get out and start scamming. His feet hadn't hit the ground, and he started scamming. There are no (laughs) winners in this. None. Nobody wins in this. And and his kids may have just had him around just long enough to say hi. I almost want to ask somebody like him if it was worth it, if that was really worth it. Whatever position you're in, we don't know his situation, but was that worth it? to risk essentially going double or nothing on a 20-year sentence. It blows me away. That story, Justin Udo had that. Definitely make sure you check that out on our website. And one more thing, you may have, if you were in the Philadelphia area at all, and I'm talking about the city, the suburbs, South Jersey, you may have noticed a giant plume of smoke from a gigantic trash fire in South Philadelphia. And no, we're not talking about the Eagles' defense this time. We're talking about the smoke from this massive junkyard fire that happened late in the afternoon yesterday at a junkyard in southwest Philadelphia. The weird thing is, is that if a junkyard fire could ever be aesthetically beautiful, it might have been while I was walking home from the station yesterday and heading (laughs) over the Market Street Bridge, and I look south, and you have framed up this plume of fire coming out from southwest Philly, and it's framed up by 76 on the right. Uh, you've got uh, 24th Street on the other banks of the Schuylkill on the left, and these buildings and this amazing sunset, and then this plume of smoke is right there. It must have looked ominous. 
I walked the other direction and immediately went underground to the trolley. But I think if I had seen that and not known what was going on, I would have been like, are we under attack? What's happening? If not for the consequences of this fire, this would be a really beautiful, serene, mid-autumn scene. But It looked like a volcanic eruption almost from a distance. It's just up in the air. I'm in the studio because this fire starts as I'm just getting out of studio at the end of the three o'clock hour and everybody's staring out the window and they point and say, hey dude, the fire is right out there. You can see it. And you see this big black cloud, big enough that you can spot it all the way here on 24th and Market as if it was not that far away. It was a kind of a stunning scene really. And I just mentioned Justin Nudo's name. He was out there as this fire was raging. The fire at Delaware Valley Recycling started before sunset and could be seen miles away as the black smoke cut through the blue and pink sky. That massive fire lured a lot of people to take pictures to look. Matthew is a firefighter from Burlington County. He's been on the job for 10 years, and he tells me this is one of the worst fires he's ever seen. Junkyards, you could have many different things in there. You could have lithium, you could have magnesium, sodium, you have acid from car batteries, things of that nature. We're told this fire that you could smell in the Graduate Hospital area in Center City left a haze in the air around the electric signs. It was brutal. At points, there were kind of a harrowing scene there where you have firefighters on the ground trying to put it out. There's a boat from a fire department shooting it from the river trying to put the thing out. It was a very kind of weird scene, but at least it wasn't a situation where a bunch of people got hurt. It was just this gigantic trash fire just in the middle of southwest Philly. You know, we're we're about to talk to your fave trash man about all the dangers of trash. And this is another example. You know, you just heard the firefighter say all the chemicals and things that could be in there. We're they're looking this morning into the air quality effects of that smoke just releasing such such huge plumes of smoke. We can laugh about this dumpster fire, but at the same time is it's actually really dangerous to have so much trash building up. Mask up. <laughs> Yet another reason these <laughs> One days. more reason to strap that mask Maybe on. we keep those, even aside from COVID. There have been some really practical uses for these masks over the last year and a half between environmental issues, it's cold outside, and, they're, and uh, admittedly... Hiding my facial expressions <laughs> on the train. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the eyes can tell the whole story sometimes <laughs> just, from, just on the train. It's, there, there's a lot of practical uses, and unfortunately, one other one could be to protect against the really dangerous pollution that was coming off of that fire down in southwest Philadelphia. You can find out more about that story and all of the headlines happening here in the Philadelphia area by going to our website, kywnewsradio.com. And in keeping with today's theme of trash, the Philadelphia Theater Company is opening a new play that's all about garbage called The Garbologists. And KYW's John McDevitt spoke with some of the people who are putting the show together, and he joins us right now to talk about it on The Rundown. John, good to have you on here today. Hi, Jay. Glad to be here. So tell us more about The Garbologists. What is this play about? Yeah, so the Philadelphia Theater Company is kicking off its 47th season. It's a... Garbologist, uh, Garbologists, actually, is uh, a play about trash and sanitation workers. This play, there's a community outreach component to this to show support for sanitation workers. Uh, the Garbologist is a comedy. It's a one-act and a two-hander, meaning that there are two actors in the show. It runs November 11th to December 5th at the Suzanne Roberts Theater along the Avenue of the Arts with opening night on November 17th. It's a co-world premiere with Pittsburgh's City Theater. Uh, I got to meet with the playwright, Lindsay Joel. 
she's in town from New York. It took her five years to research this. She interviewed sanitation workers from across the country. The play was postponed in 2020 due to the pandemic, during which time sanitation workers, of course, were out in force. They provided essential services uh, for our daily health and safety. And Joelle says that if nothing else, it's just uh, she just wants people to come together and laugh. You know, after the kind of year, year and a half that we've all had, I think that's the best medicine is we just need to laugh. We need a good laugh. Um, You know, but it's a comedy with with heart. Um, And I think I would say that probably the message of all of my plays is to be able to see yourself in somebody that you would on the surface think that you have nothing in common with. And these are people who think that they have nothing in common, the, the, the characters in the play. She says they discover what actually binds them runs pretty deep. Uh, the play features a white conservative proud union member and a black liberal Ivy educated newbie who just joined the New York sanitation department. And when they find something on the curb too valuable to throw away, they're forced to reevaluate each other and also accept uh, each other on their own terms. The playwright says that when we leave the theater and go out into the streets, we're a little more primed to search what connects us rather than what separates us. So there is a very important message here, uh, Jay. You mentioned Lindsay Lindsay Joel, the playwright. She's also worked with community groups that support sanitation workers. And in fact, your fave trash man, who we are going to be hearing from a little bit later on on this episode, he was a part of the prep for this, too. Now, what are some of the things that they're doing as part of that effort? Yeah, well, I spoke with Jessica Ragusa. She's the marketing director at uh, the Philadelphia Theater Company, or PTC. She talked about the community outreach component. We will be making uh, what we're calling bin stickers. Uh, they will have the hashtag support sanitation workers on them. They will be um, at several of our community partners. Then we're going to also be in touch with a lot of the civic associations, local restaurants, organizations, food co-ops, things of the like, uh, to make sure that we have just a lot of the stickers everywhere. The public is encouraged to put them on their trash cans. Uh, Showing support to your sanitation workers is pretty simple. Uh, You can just give them the thumbs up or or getting to know their names and uh, thanking them. I mean, how many of us know, you know, what our trash men and women names are <laughs> um but that's just a, a sign of respect and, and and a thank you a simple thank you is the way that we can show support uh is what the people behind this effort are are saying pdc also has uh, tips on its website of um what we can do how can you really support a sanitation worker and certainly you can donate you can do a trash pickup but they're also just really really simple things that you can do that make a big difference. So I think the example we talked about is if you're throwing out a knife, wrapping it up in cardboard or fabric, or if you're throwing out glass, you know, being a little bit more mindful about that. The company has partnered with Terrell Yafabe Trashman Hager. Yafabe has been doing a lot of promotions for us. He's doing a talk back on Sunday, November 14th, um, after our 3 p.m. show. Uh, the talk back will be at 4.30. The resource page that we've put together, he's consulting on and just helping so that there are certain things you can Google and know about how to help sanitation workers. But when you have a real sanitation worker telling you kind of what's important, that's made a big difference. Mm. He's so excited about the show. He's going to be at opening night. Uh, He has a theater background. 
And yeah, I think that's the cool thing about this coming together is the people, I think, and the, the different community organizations that are being brought together. So there's a lot of uh, community outreach uh, programs and projects uh, in the works being done in conjunction with the garbologists. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us to tell us about the garbologists. This sounds like a really interesting play they've got going on. How can people check out other work that you're doing here at KYW News Radio? Yeah, well, I'm on Twitter at JM1060, and uh, I'm uh, on the radio pretty much every day. That indeed he is. That is John McDevitt here at KYW News Radio. John, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Rundown. You're welcome, Jay. Thank you. And coming up after this, you heard his name mentioned, your fave trash man. We've talked about him a lot on this episode. Well, now we get to hear from him directly. That's coming up. You're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith, joined, of course, by Sabrina Boyd-Circa and Brian Seltzer. And dirty streets seem to just be an unfortunate fact of life here in the city of Philadelphia. But one man has been working to change that. His name's Terrell Hagler. Now, he picked up a rather huge Instagram following as your fave trash man, drawing attention to the city's trash problems and the treatment of the sanitation workers during the pandemic here in the city. I started following your fave trash man back in the early pandemic. He was talking about the sanitation workers and their lack of access to PPE, why the trash pickup was slowing down, and he just was such an entertaining personality. Now he's blown up so much as your fave trash man that he was able to retire from his city job and is now starting his own collection service. I'm really excited, guys, for people to hear this interview. There's so many layers to his story. One, the impact that trash cleanup has on making our neighborhoods more secure. The other thing I think, guys, is it really humanizes a job that, let's face it, if we're being honest with each other, there are certain stigmas about. And I think that uh, Terrell puts a really inspirational face and story behind a job that many people might not think much of. And our community impact reporter, Raquel Williams, who you just heard here a little bit earlier on the rundown, talked with Terrell about the inequities that he's seen in trash pickup and what he hopes to achieve as far as helping to clean up the city of Philadelphia. Let's check out that conversation right now on The Rundown. Hello, I'm Community Impact Reporter Raquel Williams, and I am here with Terrell Hagler, a.k.a. your fave trash man. Everyone in Philadelphia is pretty familiar with Terrell because he has made it his business to clean up Philadelphia, get rid of all the trash and all of the litter out there. And this is a one-man band. We're going to find out how he's going to try to get this done. But Terrell, welcome to The Rundown. How you doing? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited. And I know that you are looking to launch, or actually you are launching your own uh, venture, your trash hauling venture. So uh, this is something that uh, that's going to be underway pretty soon. First, tell me about how this all got started. We know that you're a former sanitation worker turned activist for the uh, sanitation community. How did this all get started? Why why are you doing this? Uh, you know, as a sanitation worker, I just was not okay with how we were being treated, how we were being talked about, how we were being depicted in newspapers and just all of the things. And, you know, everyone kept saying the same thing. It's been like that for years. It's been like that for years. It's been like, and I was like, that doesn't make it okay. It does not make it okay because it's the norm. Why why have we normalized this? So me with my theater background and me with being left-handed also and thinking with the other side of my brain, <laughs> I just was <laughs> like, I'm going to do something that that will shed a light or 
We'll also uh, get some inside look on what it is to be a sanitation worker here mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. And through that effort is where I discovered and um, I guess uncovered my purpose on, on all the blight and litter and illegal dumping and how it's connected to poverty and, you know, school district funding mm-hmm. and all those things. So I'm just like, you know, I just told you I have three kids. So I was like, hey, I, I got to do something. Well, why don't you go ahead and talk about Philadelphia's uh, trash collecting uh, and illegal dumping problem that you're trying to get uh, wrap your hands around. And of course, I'm sure it was made worse by the pandemic. How, how bad are things? It's really bad. It's It's been really bad. Even before the pandemic, before I started working, it was bad. But like 30% of more trash on the ground, which means households are averaging 30 to 40% more trash. You company that with... 60% of the fleet coming to work, you know, our injury rate is like 37%. So we have 37% of the fleet that are on leave or on light duty, company with trucks breaking down, company with weather, company with, you know, some systematic issues and flow of operation. And it's a gumbo pot full of a mess. Mm, okay. <laughs> full of a mess. So in terms of sections of Philadelphia, where are you seeing the most uh, litter and illegal dumping, especially? Oh, uh, I mean, transparently in brown and black neighborhoods, North Philly, Southwest, parts of South Philly, uh, West Philly, you know, King, K&A, Kingsington. You could just say you just say K&A and everybody understands what you're talking about. Right. I, I mean, and if you look at the zip codes that have the highest gun violence, they directly match. They, if you could take a map and overlap them, and there's no, it's not a coincidence that the dirtiest parts of the city have the highest crime rate, and then in turn has the lowest um, school attendance rate, which then has the, the lowest funding in schooling where kids are not even reading past a fifth grade level in high school in these districts. And it's just like, guys, this is, they're all together. They're all combined for a reason. Well, I definitely want to talk about the correlation between cleaning up neighborhoods and reducing violent crime, that there is some kind of a correlation there. So I do want to ask you about that. But first, uh, Terrell, tell me about what the people in the community uh, say about the the trash problem in the neighborhoods. What, what are some of the things that you've heard from everyone? Uh, I'm tired. Why does my neighborhood look like this? I deserve better. I pay my taxes. Why can't my trash come on time? company with what can I do to help is there any programming you know how can I get my street cleaned up people want to do stuff and want to change the way their neighborhoods look just they don't know the resources to call on from what I understand you plan on being the Amazon of trash hauling which sounds like a pretty big deal how do you think you're going to go about doing that and a your fave trash man way. Unique, <laughs> different, out of the box. I deemed a, a phrase and no one seems to catch on. So maybe to catch on with you guys that I terrellerize a lot of things. Terrellerize. You know? Okay, terrellerize. we've got to terrellerize things. Like, what does that mean? Clean, make sure everything is getting cleaned up or, or think out the box to do it? Do, do it in a way that doesn't make sense right now, but it'll make sense later. Okay. That's, a lot of my ventures in life don't make sense now, but it makes sense to me. And then once it starts to happen, it makes sense to everybody else. So mm-hmm. definitely the hauling company is my way of terrellerizing, short dumping, illegal dumping, actually eradicating it. Because my goal is to get Philadelphia to zero litter by 2025. I've read that. Now, that is quite the lofty goal. It's it's doable. 
It's just going to take everybody. Mm-hmm. I can't do it by myself. I need government to say yes. I need the streets departments to say yes. And I need residents to say yes. If all three of those points of the triangle say yes, mm-hmm. we're good. Well, why don't you talk a little about that, a little bit about that. Speak to what's been happening with the city, uh, the process that you've undergone to get this thing off the ground. How's the reception been and what's what have you been met up with? So far with the hauling company is, is you know, kind of people are waiting to see what it's going to look like, how it's going to happen. You know, I'm using a trash truck. Mm-hmm. There's there's no one in the city of Philadelphia using a commercial trash truck to pick up construction and demo Mm -hmm. you know everyone has the box trucks and the roll-off dumpsters but being on the other side in sanitation i realized that and also being working for a demolition crew for a year and a half the most amount of money they spend is on demo and hauling they paying for parking permits to have the roll-off dumpster sit you know in front of the house for four weeks, which makes all the neighbors mad because they're taking up five parking spots. Then as they're cleaning, you don't leave it in the house. They leave it on the porch. So now you have a house with 55 black construction bags with wood and sheetrock and all that stuff sitting on the porch. Then three, you got to pay the weight once it gets picked up from the hall and from the roll-off dumpster. The roll-off dumpster only holds about six tons at max because it's just you're just throwing it in there. A trash truck compresses, it compacts. It so makes sense. On, on, a, on a bad day, I could hold about 11 tons. That's almost wow. double what you're getting. And then I'm doing it in a way where I come to you, you load it in the truck and I go away. You're not paying for the, uh, the weight. You're not paying for, all you're paying for literally is the hauling process. So you're talking about hauling for, for different companies or for individuals? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Gotcha. It, Different companies, my, if someone, you know, you know, the pandemic, everybody became a contractor during the pandemic and those DIY projects that they've been pitting off in their house for the last 20 years, they started doing them during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So if you are doing some construction in your house and you are conscious enough to go, I don't want to hire somebody that's going to go dump this in a vacant lot or go dump this in uh, Fairmount Park, you can hire my company. And you'll know that I'm going to a certified dump and dumping the waste correctly. So you think that um, the red tape and the high fees, those are just some of the things that's leading people to just illegally dump materials all over the place? Absolutely. It's it's all economics. Mm -hmm. The average dump price is $110 a ton. Wow. Right. If you take me or someone average that's trying to start, I was an accountant. But I have a pickup truck. I'm trying to make money for my family. I start hauling. I'm not going to be charging top tier prices. So I'm going to be charging maybe $500, $600 to take stuff away. If I get to the dump and I have three tons, that's half of my profit. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. let me have employers, I mean, employees, because now I got to pay them the, out of the other 300. So you don't have anyone helping you at all? Do you have anyone? Oh, no, I was just, that was my example. Okay. That was my example. <laughs> I do have a driver because you need a class B to drive a trash truck. Um, And I do have a helper. So there's going to be a driver, a helper, and then I have an administrative assistant. Um, And so far, it's just going to be a a, a four man team right now with one truck um, until we're ready to scale. Mm -hmm. Now, does the rest of your team share your same enthusiasm for uh, cleaning up uh, the different areas of Philly? I think they share my enthusiasm on just working for ourselves but also doing it the right way. 
you know, well, I one of one of my friends is going to be working with me, and she's like, she has three kids of her own, and she's just like, she has a five year old that loves to ride a bike, and she lives in a block on West Philly that at a certain t- time during the summer, her five year old couldn't ride her bike because the trash was so bad. Mm, mm-hmm. So imagine a five year old who loves to ride her bike can't ride her bike for three weeks because trash is delayed five days. You know, stuff like that people start to weigh on. So I'm, I'm really excited. I am really excited. And I think contractors and, and demo crews will, will be even more excited to have something that's convenient for them. But also I'm going to use my brand and my likeness to create like a preferred vendors list. So I'll let Philadelphia know, here are the contractors, here are the, are the demolition crews that use me. Now I can't speak on anybody else, but I know for sure the people that use me have bought into the fact that they want to hold haulers accountable because there's a law that says haulers got to report, but there's no accountability. There's no follow through. You know, haulers aren't required to turn in weight slips or receipts from where they haul. They just have to say that they're a hauler. So I could be dumping in West Philly for six years and Ella and I will never know. They just know that I worked on these projects. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So let's go back and talk about the correlation between cleaning up neighborhoods and reducing crime. Talk to me about that. Is this something that you think is possible in some of these underserved neighborhoods? For sure. I mean, 2018, I I forget the doctor's name who did the study, but it was proven that cleaning a space, a vacant lot in in a neighborhood reduces crime by 29%. Wow. Just having a cleaner, cleaner surroundings. I, and, and I proved it to myself three cleanups ago. We were in K&A in Kingsington and there was a, a block where there was you know drugs use going on and just a bunch of craziness. We started cleaning the block. Everyone left. Wow. Because that's not their environment. Mm. Their environment is not clean with trash cans and sparkling streets. Their environment to do what they need to do or do what they want to do is around filth and dirt and it leaks so you eliminate that. It's kind of like, where can I hide? There's nowhere for them to hide. And then we can have the conversation on how we restore them. How do we get them help? How do we get them into rehab places? Because there's nowhere else for them to hide. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like uh, you probably are going to be able to accomplish what you'd like to accomplish. But that 2025, that uh, that's that's quite the uh, deadline you have for yourself there. But you, you probably can do it. Oh, for sure. For sure. And no doubt. <laughs> All right. Austin Terrell, anything else you want the people to know about what you're doing? I know you want to get the word out about the fact that this is going to be up and running. And when will it start? Most likely the last uh, week in November. The last week in November, I should be out on the truck. Um, I have some friends who have construction companies have who have agreed to hire me for some of their jobs. Um, so we're ready to get started. And then I can also use the truck for my personal clean up efforts and Mm -hmm. really start getting these illegal dumps off the streets. And then if I'm doing this, I can really encourage elected officials to add cameras. Got it. Got it. That's important too. So where can everybody find you? If we want to take advantage and spread the word, how can we find you? Sure. You can find me always on Instagram at underscore your fave trash man, Y-A-F-A-V trash man. Um, I have a website, yourfavetrashman.com that you can join my email list and my newsletter and get all the what's ups with the what's ups. And I guess the last thing um, 
that had something to do with sanitation. I just wrote a children's book. Really? Awesome. Yes, I just I just wrote a children's book What's called the title? I'm I'm Cool Too. Two spelled with two O's. And um, it's the real conversations that I had with my kids about why my job as a sanitation worker wasn't corny. They <laughs> they were so against me being a sanitation worker. They were like, can you be a firefighter? Can you be a pilot? My son's suggestion was I'd even accept you teaching karate, but like sanitation worker. And I was like, you guys don't understand. Like if daddy doesn't go to work and does do his job, the city's going to shut down. So in the book, my kids and I have a conversation about why my job is essential to the community, why we have to stop littering now and all those things. But it's fun. Yeah. It's light. It's uh, it's colorful. And in the book, they all go to sleep and have the, the same dream. And they end up as my new hires for the sanitation department. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah. good for so, you, Terrell. Yeah, it's on, it's on uh, Kickstarter. Dot com. So you can go to kickstarter.com and just type in I'm cool too, two with two O's, tongue twister. And then I have like seven days left. I'm in my pre-sale stage. So I have like seven days left before you can get the book. Just just as a fan and also <laughs> as a uh, theater person, I do a lot of theater and I found out that you used to be a professional dancer. You mentioned your theater background. I just have to ask how you ended up going from there into the sanitation business. And I think that kind of connects to telling your kids that you're doing a cool job because being a professional dancer is undoubtedly a cool job. <laughs> so what made you kind of leave leave that and go into sanitation of all things? I wouldn't say I left to go into it. So my last, I guess, theater thing or dance was like 2016, 15 because I had my daughter in 2011 and the starving artist uh, lifestyle is not one for a parent, you know? Yeah. So it was just really hard to try to live out that dream, but also make sure that, you know, my daughter was okay. So I just chose to like, all right, I'll maybe I'll teach dance. I'll do, you know, I'll, I've choreographed musicals before, like little quick little things to just fill the tank real fast. But like to do it full time just wasn't feasible at the moment. And the way I got into sanitation was the city comes out with a list every two years. And I just applied in 2017, like, hey, city job, benefits, salary. They say work 10 years, get a pension and retire in Aruba. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a dream. Yeah, right. <laughs> and little did I know that was not the case. <laughs> that was not the case. Look My what you found. Was, yeah. It seems like one of the stories here is that there could be a danger in stigmatizing certain professions. I think, Terrell, what you've done with your work is shown that there's a lot more to a sanitation worker than simply getting your hands dirty, rolling up your sleeves, and picking up other people's junk. Is there something that you've learned about that through your work in sanitation, the type of people you've met, where they come from, that it's not just a throwaway job that someone has to have. Have you learned something through that? Absolutely. There, there's some sanitation workers right now that have master's degrees. You want to talk about diversity? Look at the sanitation yards. There are so many different types of people, so many different types of backgrounds. And, and what also I love about it is to get a city job, you know, they're talking about it now, taking away the tests. You know, right now you have to take a test to get a city job. If you already work for the city, you are priority. 
So some people are humble enough to throw trash for six months and then apply for the civic leadership job that they want in the city. And that doesn't say anything about a human being. I don't know what does. There's some sanitation workers who have side jobs, like they're artists, they they make t-shirts. At my yard, there was a painter. They, he would just paint on his lunch break. And the amount of stories that you get just telling each other's background. I mean, I, I know a lot of them are being told not to like me and being told I'm making too much noise and being told that I'm bad for the industry. But I, no matter what, will always fight for them. I think they deserve hazardous pay. I think they deserve semi-automatic trucks. I think they deserve better pensions. I think they deserve better pay. I mean, they did just get a pay bump in the last contract they signed, but I know it was hard fault, but they deserve it. No one deserves to encounter needles and glass and all that stuff. And you know you're only going to be here for six months because you're going to start applying for, like, you still should be treated with the utmost respect because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And if, if I can't treat you like a human, if you can't treat me like a human, then what are we doing? I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, but like my salary was only $31,000 when I started as a sanitation worker. Wow. People wow. assume we they make, no, they don't. They don't. Mm -hmm. And to deal with all the hazardous things before the pandemic and then after the pandemic for 31000 it's like, ugh, huh, this is a decision that needs to be made. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I was blessed enough to be able to retire myself in February. So I've resigned from sanitation in February and I've been doing your fave trash man ever since. And it, it hasn't been easy. It has not. Mm -hmm. I've started a nonprofit since then that does anything and everything for community. I want my nonprofit to be a resource for those underserved communities. So, and what's the name uh, of the, what's the nonprofit? The nonprofit is called Trash to Treasure, with the number two. Um, and it, it was through trash that I found the treasure inside of me and I found my purpose. So, I want to be that resource and that hub for other people. So, um, I, you know, my neighborhood cleanups are under my nonprofit. Um, I have an expungement clinic coming up November 20th slash job fair. So that the goal is you walk in with a record and you leave with a job. So that is the goal. Um, nice. I do financial uh, literacy workshops because ownership in the brown and black community to me is most important. Um, I will be doing a first time homebuyer seminar. We're going to do a turkey drive, wow. a coke drive, a toy drive. Yeah, I just... All, all the philanthropic things that I've dreamed about doing, I, I now I am applying for grants to do. I, I did a voter registration. I believe that we have the absolute power to dictate our government. We just don't know it. So I've been really loud about this next mayor coming up. And I'm like, if you don't have a transparent strategic plan on how to clean the city, I'm not telling nobody to vote for you. Just because you have a DRR in front of your name you don't deserve my vote. And I think a lot of us, especially my generation and generations around me, I'm 32, we, we really need to spread that word that these candidates need to be vetted. We need to just stop voting for people because grandmom say so. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Terrell, I love your attitude, love your spirit, and it's great that you see a problem and you were willing to just take it on and tackle it. And uh, hopefully other people join in and help you out um, because this only good can come from this. Only good could come from this. 
Absolutely. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. I, I don't even, I'm just so excited. I was like, what? KYW want me? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so right. like I said, you, you've got me, you've got a couple of big fans around the office here. So we are honored to have you on. <laughs> Great job. No, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And that was KYW News Radio's Community Impact reporter Raquel Williams talking with Terrell Hagler, better known as your fave trash man. And thanks to Raquel for sharing that story with us on The Rundown today, which is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. Me, I'm Jay Scott Smith. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith, real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. And you can hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio starting at three o'clock for Philadelphia's Afternoon News. Also be sure to follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown PHL. Again, The Rundown PHL, all one word on Twitter. You can hear us for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. We want to thank you for checking out this Wednesday edition of The Rundown.